What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. Dave, we did our Fantasy Football Today in Five show last night for Tuesday morning, and it looked like you were being held hostage. How are you feeling today? You feel like you're free, ready to go, excited for the day? I'm out of bondage. I am ready to rock and roll and talk some serious fantasy football. Why? Uh, hold on. It looked like I was being held hostage. There just wasn't yeah, we a should, light on. We should set the scene. So you do the show in your house. Yeah. Everybody can see that you're you're at home. I'm at home. You know, we we have our our, our respective backgrounds. But the light was off on your on your shot. I didn't want to turn. It was it was 9:30 at night, and uh, I was mellowing out, and I didn't want to have some big bright circular light burning my retinas. It's good to see you again, though. That's, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see you again. I survived. I was I was worried about you. All right, so today we're going to spend some time reflecting on the running back position and reviewing a recent half PBR mock draft. You can see the results on the site, cbsports.com. Uh, so we're going to spend, obviously, a lot of time on our, our teams, our picks um, when we get into the mock draft. But what was your favorite pick of the draft, uh, you know, of the 15 rounds that we did? Uh, I'm going to be guilty of saying quarterback pretty much every time, but I got Deshaun Watson in round six, and and to me that's just a screaming value. I, you can't argue with it. He finishes QB six in fantasy points per game in in 2020. It was 26.1 fantasy points per game, two points better than he was in 2019, three points better than he was in 2018. Five points worse than he was in 2017, but you get the picture. He's been top six in fantasy points per game each of the past four years, and I look forward to having the quarterback of the Dolphins, Broncos, Niners, Patriots, Saints, Bears football team as my quarterback in that league. Yeah, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about this because clearly nothing has happened. Uh, he's you know clearly unhappy about the situation in Houston, and uh, there is a lot of talk that he's not going to play with the Texans in 2021. Does that change things for you with Watson from being a surefire top five fantasy quarterback to maybe more of a bottom top 10 type of guy? I mean, is it going to change dramatically if he goes to the Dolphins, if he goes to um, the 49ers? You know, those are the two teams in terms of Vegas odds that he could play at. You know, uh, we'll see if there's another team that gets in the mix, obviously. But uh, how much will things change for you for, with Watson? Does a team trade for Deshaun Watson with the idea of being balanced offensively and not taking advantage of his skills? I would imagine San Francisco does. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I could say that about Kyle Shanahan and that 
he's never had a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Well, Same I thing mean, with Brian Flores and well, I mean, Miami. We don't know. We don't know how they would react to having a quarterback like that versus yeah. Look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and the fact that they let him throw like crazy. And to a tongue of Iloa, they brought him along. They were actually aggressive in putting him on the field. It came out of nowhere last year. And I think Shanahan is just a master of playing to his offense's offense's strengths. And I think that Watson would give him a pretty big strength. I, I'm going to be optimistic about Watson pretty much wherever he goes. All right, so that's certainly a story we'll keep an eye on. But uh, as of now, a member of the Houston Texans, Dave, very excited about taking him in the half PPR mock draft. For me, it was DJ Chark in round seven. I'm just going to be... Uh, probably pretty glowing about the Jaguars wide receivers, knowing that Trevor Lawrence is coming and what the opportunity is there for those guys, barring somebody significant coming in, whether it's through the draft or free agency. But if DJ Chark remains in his spot as the number one wide receiver for Jacksonville, I'm going to be excited to take him anywhere after round five. I'll probably start to look for him in round five, but if I get him past that spot, that's going to be where I get very excited about having DJ Chark on my fantasy team. You know, you should be excited about the notorious Connor Greg, Connor, Connor, Greg, Connor McGregor. He's back. UFC 257 is live this weekend from Abu Dhabi. Connor McGregor will be headlining UFC 257 versus Dustin Poirier. This will be their second time fighting. Connor won the first match via first round TKO, but that doesn't mean we should count out Dustin, who was 10 and 2 since losing to McGregor back in September of 2014. Morning Combat is a place to get all of your UFC 257 content, fighter interviews, including Poirier, Chandler, and more. Previews with UFC Hall of Famer Rashad Evans, and of course, instant reactions to UFC 257 right when it ends. Download and subscribe to Morning Combat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found for the best coverage around the combat sports world. What's the name uh, of that podcast? Spend some time again? reflecting on the. Hey, what's the name of that podcast season? again, Jamie? Huh? What's the name of that podcast again? The Morning Combat. But you're not saying it the right way. Morning Combat! That's there how you got to say it. <laughs> Well done. All right, let's reflect on the 2020 season when it comes to the running back position. So give me a guy who was a fluke for you from this oh. past year. There's a lot of candidates. You know, we don't necessarily call this guy a bust, but that's probably what the safer label is for what most fantasy managers are listening to. But just from fluky performance, somebody that came out of nowhere and you don't think it's going to be replicated. I don't think David Montgomery is going to finish as a top five running back again. Uh, I, I mentioned this on the FFT and five podcast yesterday. He averaged almost 25 PPR points per game in his final six. And they included games against the Packers at the time. Their run defense wasn't very good. The Jaguars, the Lions, the Vikings. Like, he was tearing up terrible defenses toward the end of the season. And in the early portion of the season, before that final six-game stretch, he was averaging 11.3 PPR points per game. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into Montgomery, and there's going to be a much deeper dive at some point during the offseason. But in his first three games with Tariq Cohen, he averaged 16.3 touches per game. That's good. And it was basically on pace with what he did with Cohen in 2019 when he was a rookie. He had one game with over 100 total yards. He had one touchdown. It was a receiving touchdown. And he only had six catches in those three games with Tariq Cohen. And we know that he wasn't dominating snaps like he did later on in the year. Cohen will theoretically be back in Chicago. I know he signed a contract. He should be fine with the ACL. And they're going to have a quarterback change. Trubisky's a free agent. We'll see if they bring him back. That would be kind of surprising if they did. I'm, I'm not. So? I'm. I'm not certain. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm not certain that the the that Montgomery's going to be as good as. I'm actually. I am certain he's not going to be as good as he was in 2020, and I'm not even sure he's going to be a top 12 running back in 2021. I think he could be a significant letdown guy. For me, it's all about the catches with him because his catches spiked as soon as Tariq Cohen went down. And so Cohen will be back. I would not be surprised if Trubisky's still the quarterback there, whether it's a franchise tag, whether it's they work oh out some gosh. sort of cheap deal. 
Um, it, it's just one of those situations where who's out there that they could find to replace him. They don't have a high draft pick. So I don't know if they go that route. Are they going to go back to Nick Foles? That's a worse situation, in my opinion. I thought Trubisky was better than Nick Foles last year. So uh, I could see a, a, a small deal being worked out. Trubisky getting, you know, the 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 three-year cheap quarterback deal that we've seen several times over the last several years, um, which I don't think is bad for David Montgomery by any stretch. But I, I think from the the standpoint of where he finished to where he started last year, it's all about three cone for me because the catches are going to be the thing that sways him. And I don't think he's catching the ball nearly to that level with three cone back. Right. Like two a game. That was his average right. with Cohen in right. 20. You're, you're hoping for three a game, you know, but I think two, two, two and a half on average is probably what you're looking at. Uh, for me, it's James Robinson, not because I don't like him, not because I'm not excited about him. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, I drafted him in the second round of our half PPR mock draft. And I did it in both drafts that we've done so far, our PPR and our half PPR drafts, but it's just about a player who we haven't seen do it before now getting everything changed, new coach, new quarterback, and we don't know about the competition in the backfield. So uh, I hope James Robinson is not a bust. I hope it's not a fluke, but I am a little bit concerned about him replicating what he did in 2020, doing it again in 2021 in his sophomore campaign. All right, let's move on now to some poor performances from 2020 and some guys who could bounce back. So uh, these are not necessarily guys that finished in bad spots, but didn't have the best of fantasy seasons, especially given the expectations. So Dave, who's a bounce back candidate for you? Uh, I'll say Miles Sanders, figuring that he can. And there's there are some variables that have to come into play. Number one being who is this play caller? What's this offense going to look like? In theory, it. I shouldn't say in theory. They've been a West Coast offense forever, and so I don't know if they're going to change from that. The only time they weren't was during Chip Kelly's reign in Philadelphia, but Sanders was given the opportunity to be a workhorse at the beginning of last season. He averaged 15.4 PPR points per game in those first five games, four of them with at least 12 points. It's not bad. It wasn't giving you what we wanted uh, when, uh, when we took him with a first round pick, but he also closed 2019 strongly as the lead back. And I'm thinking whoever the new coach is, they're going to have so much work to do and so much uh, paring down of the salary cap to do and, and making things work with what they have that trying to change up the running backs is going to be very low on their list of things to do. One of the other things that will be low on their list of things to do is finding starting offensive linemen, because whether they're in bad contract situations or guys coming back from injury, they're going to be pretty stocked on the offensive line. Lane Johnson will be back. Brandon Brooks will be back. Jason Kelsey will be back. Andre Dillard will see if he can ever turn into something great at left tackle for Philadelphia, but he's going to be back. So that offensive line should be better. And maybe they do a little bit more to take pressure off of the quarterback, whoever that quarterback may be, by leaning on Miles Sanders, who should be the primary running back for Philadelphia. Uh, not taking him in round one in 2021, but I could see him right now being a round three pick and maybe with enough hype getting into round two. Does the quarterback matter for him? Is there one yeah. you prefer? Oh, I, I'd be okay with either one. I think I'd like it a little bit better if, well, it, what version of Carson Wentz am I getting? Am I getting the version of Carson Wentz where he's confident and well-protected and he's running an offense that he's comfortable with? Or am I getting Carson Wentz where he's scattershot and he sucks? So I'll, I'll take, I'm going to trust whoever Philadelphia puts a quarterback. It wouldn't be bad if it's Hurts, but I think it would be best if it's somebody like good Carson Wentz who can attack downfield and make defenses play straight up against him. I actually would prefer Hurts. I just think the, the running lanes that'll be open for Sanders will be there. I think the offense, depending on who the play caller is, will design throws to him. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, but I do think that Hurts, opens things up for this offense a little bit more. So I would like to see Jalen Hurts as the quarterback for 
Miles Sanders, but I agree with you. I don't really think it matters. I think he's going to get the offensive line back at 100%. And that's, that's the biggest key. thing. And, and it's the same thing for my guy, which I took the low-hanging fr- fruit of Ezekiel Elliott bouncing back. He was clearly the uh, one of the biggest busts in 2020. Um, but how much of it was him? How much of it was the situation around him? Dak Prescott going down in week five, offensive line falling apart all throughout the season. And everybody hopefully be back at 100%, at least the main key components on the line and the quarterback. And so if all those things are there, we saw what Ezekiel Elliott was at the start of the season compared to what he was at the begin- at the end of the season. The pass-catching role is certainly a big part of what he does. Now, will Tony Pollard take on too much work? That's the, the key question at this point. But it's very difficult to see Ezekiel Elliott getting past the first round in most fantasy leagues. He was a first-round pick in both of the drafts that we've done so far, and deservedly so. So I do think he's going to bounce back and bounce back in a big way. He's not going to be a top five overall selection, but I think by the end of the year, if everything works out well, you're going to say, why didn't I take Ezekiel in the top There's, five based on what the potential is? There's a buy low window open in dynasty on him right now. If you're trying to win in 2021. Absolutely. Great call. Uh, you should be looking at players like Ezekiel, Miles Sanders, you know, players who had bad seasons mm-hmm. and have the potential to bounce back and bounce back in a big way. All right, so we have some uh, running backs that have uh, fallen off and, uh, you know, may not recover. Um, there is a, one guy in the news. We just tied in, I guess, with one of the news items. The Ravens are releasing uh, Mark Ingram. They've notified him they're going to release him. And so that could be a guy that ends up with a team that maybe ruins a backfield because I still think he has a little bit left to offer, but no longer a starting running back in the NFL or starting caliber running back in the NFL. But uh, he could end up being part of a tandem or committee, and that could ruin one of our – fantasy stars but in terms of some of these guys that we're talking about here who is uh, a guy that you don't think will ever recover and rebound as a starting fantasy running back once again i took the low-hanging fruit here and we'll go with todd Gurley, who is an unrestricted free agent and just looked like he was spent i mean when when ito smith and brian hill are taking you off the field you know that it's over so i i can't imagine anybody feeling good about drafting todd Gurley before pick 100 in a fantasy draft in 2021. I don't think he's going to get a starting job. And at best, he'll be, you know, a short yardage goal line guy for some team somewhere, somehow, some way. It's a terrible fall from grace for Todd Gurley, who three years ago was the cat's meow at running back in fantasy. It's amazing. You know, you wonder how much that knee has really been an issue for him. Uh, Just the lack of explosion. Um, he got, you know, good fantasy production at the start of the season last year because of the touchdowns. And, you know, I think we all kind of got a little uh, overexcited when he had that game against Carolina when he had uh, over 100 yards rushing and looked like the Todd Gurley of old, but uh, just uh, a shell of himself to close the season. So you wonder if a team even is going to sign him, you know, if he gets a, an opportunity to play in the NFL in 2021. I know that sounds uh, sounds a little shocking to say, but like, um, can you even believe those words are coming out of your mouth? Yeah, no, like you said, you know, three <laughs> years ago, um, right. when they. When they made their Super Bowl run, we know that he had the the knee injury at the end of that season. And yep. it was like, okay, you know, hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs. And he ran well in the postseason, but he wasn't the same guy. And then, you know, it, it, it was our our guy, John Breach, uh, one of our NFL guys who ran into the Rams owner at uh, a coffee shop <laughs> at the Super Bowl. And he said they were concerned. And, you know, John was was a little hesitant to write that story. What? And mm-hmm. um, as, as we've seen, you know, they moved on from Gurley after signing him to the mega deal. And um, 
his career is kind of spiraling in, in the wrong direction, which is really unfortunate for what he's meant to fantasy football and certainly what he's meant to the Rams and even for the Falcons. And we knew about the arthritis in his knee from talking to his trainer and like the, the pieces kind of added up and the Rams copped to it. They did what they had to do to eat salary cap space. And th- this is, com- this is related in, in a sense, financially that do the Rams know what they, the mistake that they made with Jared Goff. That they Hearing gave a lot him of that, a lot of that too, that too much money and too big of a contract for a guy who's not giving them enough. But they're stuck. They are really stuck with salary cap ramifications with golf. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they 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 went all in uh, to try and win the Super Bowl, and you know, some of the trades that they made afterwards, obviously the Jalen Ramsey deal. But uh, the thing with golf, and the, and I think you're going to see this with a lot of teams as the. Uh, as a lot of these, you know, especially these young quarterbacks, um, when they start to come up, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't have a guy that you feel comfortable with, what do you do? You know, do right. you just keep in the reset button or you got to pay these guys? When you pay these guys and they don't live up to it, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, you know, the, the ones that have been very good, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, you know, those those caliber of players had to pay them. Uh, the ones that haven't been as good, the Derek Carrs of the world, you know, those guys have, have been good, just not great. Right. And you get guys like, you know, Jared Goff and some of these other quarterbacks that when you pay them and they don't materialize, it's a, it's an unfortunate situation. It's terrible. And their cap situation, the only way they can get out of it is if they trade him. And I just don't think there's anybody that's going to take Jared Goff and trade right now. No, especially no. on that kind of, I don't think it's going to happen. Don't, don't yeah. think it's going to happen. So, all right, who's your, who's the running back that you think is done? Yeah, for me, it's James Conner. And I don't think he's done as an NFL player. It's not the same situation as, mm-hmm. uh, as Todd Gurley. And I was a little surprised I wish we had a little bit more time yesterday to get into it with, uh, Chris Tower saying that he would take James Conner right now over, or at least he hasn't projected higher. I don't know if you draft him then, but projected higher than, than Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, if I remember him saying that correctly. I know he said Akers. Um, but I just don't see Conner staying in Pittsburgh. I can't imagine they're going to pay him what he wants. And who's going to pay him at this point uh, a deal to be a great starting running back for them? I think he's going to have to go somewhere where he's a part of a committee or take a very small deal to stay in Pittsburgh. And even as we saw this year with the Steelers, he wasn't great. He has a hard time staying healthy. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's got a great opportunity if he did get a starting job to still be successful. But injuries are a problem for him. He just can't put consistent production together. And I just don't see him getting that type of opportunity again to prove himself like he did in Pittsburgh, which fell into his lap, really. I mean, you know, he wasn't drafted to be a featured running back with the Steelers. He was expected to be a complimentary piece to Le'Veon Bell. Bell stepped away for a season because of his contract. James Conner was great that year, and he never lived up to it after those first 13 games. Remember, he had the ankle injury at the end of that season, and then he's never really been the same type of guy. We've seen spurts. There's been stretches, but at this point, I just don't see it for James Conner. So uh, he's somebody that at this point with the drafts that we're doing, I'll draft him as a flex at best, but to be a starting running back, no chance. I don't I don't think it's there for him either, but I, there's one thing I noticed about him, and this is just a fantasy stat. Six of his first seven games, and I bet you can remember which game in his first seven was not the good one, at least 13 PPR points in six of his first seven. But where is he and getting the opportunity to get that work again? That's the problem. I wonder if the Steelers, I wonder if he takes it, like this would be the ultimate hometown discount. He spent his entire football life in Pittsburgh, College of Pitt, drafted by the Steelers. Does he take a hometown discount to have a chance to be their feature back. And when I say feature back here, Jamie, I'm thinking more of like a 50 He's the one split. A. He's the one A. I think that might be the best case scenario is yeah. that he's the one A. He might end up being the one B depending on what the Steelers end but up doing. But they're in salary cap hell. I mean, even if, Absolutely. It's, if it's a friendly deal, I mean, it has to be. be almost like he's losing money to stay there. And I don't know right. why he would. Attempt and, to and so, and to your point, 
to your point, what team out there is going to give him $5 million a year? Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's that, but you, I mean, you know how teams are with running backs. Did we think Tevin Coleman was going to get the deal that he got? You know, he went to a coach that he knew, and so it, it's it's those type of scenarios where you know he's going to be competing with a, a guy like Mark Ingram, with maybe a Kenyon Drake. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking about various scales here, but you know those type of players that are looking to, hey, I can still be this this caliber of running back. I mean, the Broncos paid Melvin Gordon. We didn't know if he was going to get the type of deal that he got. You know, so teams fall in love with names and past production. And I'm sure there's probably a position coach that he's known somewhere along the way that will put in a good word for him or a scout. And I hope he gets an opportunity because it's a fantastic story, everything that he's had to overcome in his life. But I just don't see him as a fantasy option, knowing what I've seen the last two seasons or watching the last two seasons and knowing the scenario that I just don't see him going someplace. Like does Atlanta consider him as a guy, you know, you're looking at teams that have holes right now, right? Right. Uh, does Atlanta, does Buffalo, if they're not sold on Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, you know, or on cheap rookie deals as third round picks, do they make an investment on a running back like this? You know, those are the type of teams that you're looking at and saying, okay, do you know, again, varying scales of where does he get an opportunity? If I'm an NFL team, I'd much rather have James Conner than Todd Gurley. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. So, you know, just in terms of, you know, fall from grace for a fantasy guy that we were remember we got excited about him last preseason oh, thought, okay man. this, was, uh, this yeah. was a chance for him he crept into the second round and uh unfortunately I was excited the year before people, too um you know disappointed with his performance all right so let's spin it now forward on positive direction and uh let's talk about a breakout player for 2021 who's the guy that you're looking at as a breakout candidate I will bring up Jeff Wilson. I didn't want to go with one of the the second year running backs because I figured that they're going to be popular breakout guys. So I I, I looked at the 49ers situation Jamie, can you tell me which 49ers running back had the most games with uh, 10 plus non PPR, 15 plus or 13 plus PPR points in 2020? I'm going to guess Jeff Wilson. It was Jarek McKinnon who had six of each, but Jeff Wilson was right behind him. But McKinnon, 29 years old, free agent. Tevin Coleman, 28 years old, free agent. Raheem Mostert, 29 years old, could be a cap casualty. Remember, he moaned about getting a new deal last year. He held out. And he, he got a little contract, and now that contract is bloated, and they might let him go. So there should be some shifting of running backs in San Francisco, but the one guy who's probably going to be there, I would be stunned if he's not actually, is Jeff Wilson, who's 25 years old. He's also a restricted free agent this offseason, but they can give him a one-year deal where he stays there for a couple million bucks, and they make him their featured back. I think he's their most physical back. I think he might end up being their most durable back. Not a do-it-all guy. There's no chance he's going to be 20 touches a game every single week. Just when the other guys are hurt, he'll be that guy. But I think if I can draft him with the idea of him being a low-end number two running back, like I'm I'm, I'm going to draft a ton of running backs early in drafts this year anyway. But past the second-year running backs, that's where I'm going to look for Jeff Wilson I think he can. I think he's got a chance to really have a great season, and that's saying something because he scored ten touchdowns in twenty twenty. He was great. He was certainly uh, what Raheem Mostert was for the 49ers in twenty nineteen. You know, when everybody was expecting Tevin Coleman to be the lead guy, and before he got hurt, Jared McKinnon and Mostert came out of nowhere. They do a great job of finding these caliber players, and it's the Shanahan tradition. His father did that in Denver. Kyle and Mike have done that, you know, uh, at, at times when they've been together. Alfred Morris is clearly a, a good example of that as well. You know, a sixth-round pick in the NFL draft that no one expected to be the starter in Washington that season. He showed up great in the preseason, and he ended up being a fantasy star that year. 
Uh, I think this is a this is a great call. It's just a matter of what will the rest of the offseason look like for the 49ers because they're getting that money off the books of McKinnon, who's been, uh, you know, unfortunately a, a bad free agent signing because of injury. Uh, Tevin Coleman, same type of player, you know. So did they learn their lesson and not necessarily go spend money on a guy? Do they draft somebody? Uh, I'm also curious with Michael Hasty if they don't bring in anybody else because he could be that second guy to Jeff Wilson. They they he could be. That's a great point. this year, you know. So um, Wilson's going to be intriguing. I took him in this draft. He was uh, where did I draft him? Round yeah. six, I believe it was. Oh, that's um, beautiful. As uh, yeah, I took uh, yeah, I had the swing picks at, at pick twelve, so I took uh, the 49ers combo: Brandon Ayuk at the end of round five, and Jeff Wilson in round six. And Raheem Mostert, I believe, went in round six or seven. Let me look it up here. Yeah, he went in seven, James. Went in round seven to uh, uh, yeah, Keith. Love it. And so, totally on board with that. You know, we'll 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 see. We'll see how it all shakes out. You know, if Mostert's back, though, Dave, are you still going to say feel the same about Jeff Wilson? I've got to assume at this point that he will be back because he's under contract to be back. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you're speculating that they may move on. From um, yeah, and and the nicer part about it is by the time we get to July and August, that round six move might be round seven or round eight because there will be rookies in our drafts and there will be free agents that have changed teams in the draft. So maybe he falls a little bit. He's someone I'd like to have on my team to begin the year. Yep, and this is why we do these drafts now for fun speculating, but also to look back and go, oh my God, what an idiot. Why did I take Jeff Wilson around six ahead of Raheem Mostert? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit and take one of the second-year uh, running backs, and that's DeAndre Swift. Um, in, inconsistent rookie campaign, and once he got the job coming off their bye week, he was he was pretty special and then had the hip injury, the concussion, you know, some things that uh, marred the end of his, uh, his rookie campaign. But I think you saw the talent, and, you know, certainly there's an opportunity here for him and – Really, the, the thing I think with Swift is the debate of the second-year running backs. Is he before uh-huh. or is he after Akers, Gibson, maybe Dobbins, you know, in PPR. I think in non-PPR, half-PPR, it's a little bit different conversation, which is why we're talking about uh, Dobbins here. But, uh, you know, is Swift better than those guys? And, and you know, we're expecting Dan Campbell to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions. That hasn't become official yet. But, um, you know, who's the play caller, you know, and how much will that matter? Is Stafford back? Obviously, that's going to be a big part of this. Is Galladay back? You know, do they – invest more in the offensive line and try and, you know, build out uh, that unit and make it a little bit better. But, you know, Swift showed you something last year. I hope they move on from Adrian Peterson. I hope they don't make this too much of a timeshare. And that really was the case, those first few games coming off of their bye week. So Swift showed you something, uh, showed us something. You know, he was a guy that uh, I think you were a little bit higher on than I was, Dave, in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember I think the, the debate for us was Akers versus Acres Swift. Versus Swift. Guy. Yep. were a Swift guy. They both yep. ended up being very good at, at various points during the season, and they showed you the potential going into 2021. So when you get past, um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, and I guess we should throw Clyde Edwards-Lair in this conversation as well because uh, you drafted him in round two. So are you still taking CEH over Swift? I know you said uh, uh, when we talked about this the other day that you take Acres over him, but at least on, on, on the fantasy football team five, uh, you take Acres over Swift, Acres over Edwards-Lair. Would you take Swift over Edwards-Lair as well? I don't think I'm there yet. And I, I'm not certain I'm going to take him over Dobbins because I'm worried that both Dobbins and Swift could be in timeshare situations. I still love the talent of all these guys. They're all awesome. But I, I need to learn a little bit more about what the Lions plan is going to be at running back. I know that Swift will be a part of it. At worst, he'll be in a 50-50. I, I, I want him to be the feature guy. I want the coaches to say he's our guy. I think he can handle it. But who's the quarterback? Who's the play caller? How aggressive are they going to be with the run, et cetera, et cetera? 
Uh, the one encouraging thing I would say about him is like toward the end of the season, not exactly sure how many games we're talking because I'm, I'm doing the math off the top of my head. I think it's his last 11 games. He had at least 13 PPR points in seven of them. That's a good start. And I like that he had a lot of short yardage touchdowns in 2020. So those are some good things that a guy like Swift, who you look at as more of an airback, can build off of. Um, I think he's got some potential. I really hope the coaching goes his way. And he went in the third round of this half PPR mock draft, just to you know, kind of tie in these second-year running backs. Um, Jonathan Taylor was the first one selected, as you would expect. He went fourth overall. Then it was James Robinson with the first pick in the second round. I always forget him because he wasn't drafted, but he was the first pick in the second round of the wasn't drafted in the NFL draft. Uh, first pick in the second round of this half PPR draft. You took Clyde Edwards Hilaire as the third one with the 10th pick in the second round. And then round three was when they really all started to go. Antonio Gibson was the first one drafted. J.K. Dobbins right after him to you. And then uh, DeAndre Swift went a few picks later. Cam Akers fell all the way to round four. Now, again, we did this draft right after the season ended. So after the before his two playoff games against Seattle and the Packers. And so I think that's going to change some people's minds. He probably creeps up maybe even ahead of all of those guys based on some of the things we've seen and certainly what will happen this offseason for the Rams. But DeAndre Swift is a breakout candidate for me. For you, it's Jeff Wilson. All right, we're going to take a break right now here. When we come back and get into the uh, half PPR mock draft, break down the first two rounds and tell you about some surprise selections that Dave and I both made. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Dave, let's get into this half PPR mock draft a little bit more in-depth here. So the way that we do these drafts, uh, we don't include the rookies. It's a two running back, three wide receiver flex league and the flex is uh running back wide receiver tight end so uh we're just kind of reflecting on what happened in 2020 looking ahead with some speculation before the draft before free agency of what could happen for 2021 it's all members of our cbs sports staff you can see the results on cbssports.com you can also check out our ppr mock draft that we talked about last week as well so first round there were nine running backs drafted two wide receivers and one tight end uh, here are the uh, the first five picks, and uh, you picked at number three. So we'll talk about your pick at number three. Okay. Uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara. I guess we'll go six. Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams. So McCaffrey, Cook, Henry to you, Jonathan Taylor, Kamara, and Adams. So uh, I think you took Derrick Henry in both drafts that we've done so far. You took Henry at four in the PPR draft. Uh, we got to change up these drafts, uh, the draft order. You're getting too many high <laughs> picks could, could you move me to you one there. that would make things a little easier <laughs> um but in any event uh derrick henry at three was that an easy choice for you or did you have to debate it between alvin kamara maybe Devontae adams as a number one receiver oh absolutely i debated it with kamara I, you know me james i'm not taking a receiver that early and with kamara if, if we knew that drew Brees was going to come back yeah even this version of drew Brees, i think i'd be really comfortable taking alvin kamara knowing that those catches count but in half ppr Knowing that Derrick Henry is just a bull, he's a monster. I'm, I'm ready to say that he's a safe, strong early first round pick. Even though 
he has back-to-back seasons with over 400 touches coming into 2021. It's something that might make you make that face like you smell the fart in the room, but I think he can handle it. I think he's just a, a big, beefy dude, and this is who the Titans are. I'm comfortable taking him that early, even in a half PPR, probably even in a full PPR because he can get you 20 points per game on average in that format too. Yeah, I, I don't know full PPR. I, I can see half PPR. Full PPR, I probably would go. I mean, if you're talking about safe, Devontae Adams is probably safer just based on what his role is and what he's produced most of 2019, all of 2020 when he was number one receiver and he outscored Derrick Henry by five points per game. So if you're talking safe and upside, obviously position comes into play. But that uh, that's what that's what the tiebreaker is for me. Yep. All right. So again, the first six picks, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams. The back half of the first round, Saquon Barkley, number seven, Nick Chubb, number eight, Ezekiel Elliott, number nine, Tyreek Hill, 10, Travis Kelsey, 11. I had the 12th pick, and I took Austin Eckler. So, Dave, anything stand out to you about those next six picks? Barkley, Chubb, Zeke, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Austin Eckler. I think Zeke going nine. I I think Chubb going eight and Zeke going nine could get a lot of eyeballs because there are going to be some people that just will not touch Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to think that he's just tainted off of a terrible year, but you got to look past that. And if he's still with the Dallas Cowboys getting Dak Prescott back, theoretically, I mean, the Cowboys still have to sign him or franchise him, whatever they have to do and getting that offensive line healthy. And we talked about that on a previous podcast. Not sure if it was the FFT and five or not, but his offensive line, assuming that they all get healthy, that's still going to be one of the best offensive lines in the league. If it happens, so there's variables there, and the Cowboys could move on from him, but they're going to eat a lot of cap dollars if they do. I don't know if they're going to be in a real position to do that. I think they might just rather uh, – what, what the decision they have to make is whether or not they're going to guarantee next year's salary, 2022 salary, right after – got to decide that in mid-March, right after the league new year starts. And I think they're going to do it. But if they didn't like what they got out of Zeke and they don't think he can get back to that spot that he once was in and they want to protect their cap for 2022, they'll dump him. And maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's not. It would be weird if they just straight up cut him. I think it's even worse on the cap if they cut him. So I think the odds are that he'll be back in Dallas, and that's a good spot for any running back to be in. So I I get why he's going to be a first-round pick. And hopefully by the time we get to July and August, everybody else will feel comfortable taking him toward the back end of round one like that happened here. Nick Chubb, no one loves the fact that he's going to keep sharing with Kareem Hunt, but he's still, I don't have a problem taking him in the first round. I think he's still one of those running backs that you can look at and say, stud, going to get a lot of fantasy points, build a team around him. Absolutely agree on Chubb. Absolutely agree on Elliott, like we talked about earlier in the show. If you want to get more on Ezekiel Elliott as well, listen to the uh uh, disappointing running back that we think will bounce back for 2021. Uh, I took Eckler and James Robinson with the swing picks. Uh, like I said, I, I am concerned that Robinson could be a fluke, but when doing these drafts, uh, looking at these running backs and still the potential, uh, we also did this draft before Urban Meyer was hired as the head coach. So take that into consideration as well. Now, uh, in the second round, some running backs that I took James Robinson over, uh, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones in particular, and then all of the second year running backs not named Jonathan Taylor or James Robinson. Those guys will all come into play for me. Jones in particular, depending on where he ends up. If he stays with the Packers, that's going to be a big, uh, I think, get for Green Bay if they're able to keep him. But if he leaves and he can end up being maybe the starting running back, I'd love to see him in Atlanta. I'd love to see him with the Jets. You know, one of those two teams based on the hires that those two guys have, I think could be very fantastic. Uh, I know it sounds icky to say, oh, Aaron Jones with the Jets, but offensive line is got. It's getting better. Great. Yep. 
and coaching staff now has the potential to be great. So I think that situation is going to be uh, good for whatever running back they get. Uh, and then obviously with Atlanta, knowing that Arthur Smith is there, clearly Derrick Henry is a special talent, but I think Arthur Smith deserves some credit for bringing out that special talent. And we'll see what he's able to do in building out the run game there in Atlanta, which as we talked about with Todd Gurley was clearly a frustrating situation. So Eckler and James Robinson, the picks for me to end round one, start round two. Here's the beginning of round two as well. So James Robinson with the first pick, then Stephon Diggs, George Kittle, Calvin Ridley, Josh Jacobs, and DeAndre Hopkins. So Dave, same question. Uh, anything stand out to you in terms of surprises? Uh, I know that we are both right now in the camp of Waller over Kittle. Right. Uh, Kittle went ahead in this draft. Uh, Waller was the 19th pick in the second round. Um, but anything else stand out to you in terms of the uh, first few picks of round two? He was right after Hopkins, and that's the only thing is the tight ends. I would take Waller over Kittle. I love them both. I think this is an okay spot to take tight ends in 2021 because – the depth of running back is going to still be pretty good when you get to round three. The receiver depth is going to be unbelievable because they're kind of getting pushed down by all the running backs that are going to get taken. And the quarterbacks are going to get pushed down too. I don't know if we're going to have a mock draft in a one quarterback league where a quarterback goes in the first two rounds, if not the first three rounds. So there's there, there's there's a lot to like about taking a tight end and having that true position scarcity on your side. If you feel really good about taking going like running back tight end running back and then go look at our mock drafts and see the receivers that win in rounds four through six that's a strategy that's a plan you can take but it might have to be a plan that you take especially if you've got an early second round pick not sure you're going to be able to do maybe you can do tight end like kelsey running back running back with your first three picks if you're well, picking here, late let's, round let's one played out in real life because he okay. took travis kelsey in round one in round two, he took Stefan Diggs, so no running backs. So that's the, you know, not. So when did he take, what did he do in round three? So he started Kelsey Diggs, and then round three, he went with uh, Patrick Mahomes. So he went, uh, you know, as, okay. as probably close to zero RB as, as you'll see a lot of people start. Chris Godwin in round four. Oh, that's zero um, RB. That's it. So he went, he went, oh, he definitely went all in. Brandon Cooks in round five. <laughs> and then we get to round six, and he's got Kenyon Drake as his first running back, Raheem Mostert as his second running back. All right. Damian but it Harris doesn't really matter who back. he took here. Huh? Like it, it's the strategy of it because it, I don't know what type of running backs will really be there by the time you get to round five in July. But that well, is Jeff Wilson territory. It'll there, there's be always going to be there's always going to be guys that we say, oh, this guy should not be good. You know, it's going to be um, it's guys ben, that can just Benny, get you off Benny, to a good no, start. Damian right. Harris, you know, those sure. type of guys, and I'm putting them in starters roles. You know. Those caliber of players. If the Jets don't add anybody of significance, and it's let's say Michael, it's Frank Gore, and and they go that route, or Frank Gore. All right, let's let's play out the the scenario. I guess that was a bad example, just because not knowing what his team looked like. So you said uh, going running running back. So R.J. White. uh, Well, again, another bad one. He took Tyree Kill and George Kill. Let's find one that actually did work here. All right. Well, what what could Heath have done in round three? Well, no, we'll go we'll go to one that. Perfect, perfect example because Chris is very uh, high on on. Well, I guess none of these guys did running back tight end. Uh, Chris did Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and uh, and RJ did Tyree Kill, uh, George Kill. But we get your point. Going running back tight end and then loading up on on running backs and in, in, take another running back in round three and then going wide receiver and then ignore him for a while. Right, yeah. easy way to do it. All right, let's get to the back half of uh, of the second round. So again, it starts with Darren Waller, Aaron Jones, DK Metcalf. You took Clyde edwards helaire We'll get into this a little bit more about the guys you drafted him over. Justin Jefferson and Michael Thomas round out the end of the round. So you got 
Waller, Jones, Metcalf, Edward Solaire, Jefferson, and Michael Thomas. So take us through your thought process on Edward Solaire, knowing that it was a good start to his rookie campaign, a disappointing finish to 2020. And again, we did this draft right after the season ended. So uh, not necessarily seeing what Cam Akers did and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that performance. So I, I think that that could change your mind. But uh, obviously, you know what those guys have done in the season. So you took Edward Solaire over Dobbins, over Akers, over Swift. <laughs> And over Antonio Gibson, all those guys went in the third round. And so what's my thought process? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I'd taken Cam Akers. That's okay. my thought process as I sit here right now. That's what I would do if I could have a do-over on it. But uh, I, I got some stats on Edwards Alaire that makes me kind of comfortable about him. The fact that he had six games with at least nine non-PPR points, seven with at least 12 PPR points in his first 10 games as a rookie, that, that's something to build on. And let's be real, he's Andy Reid's running back. At least I hope he's his main running back starting in 2021. And the offensive line, hopefully that gets a little bit stronger. Remember, they began the year without uh, the the doctor, Tardif, uh, at guard. Yep. And then they signed Osemele and he got hurt. So I wonder if that played a role into them. Mitchell not, got hurt. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, that's another one too. So like they had their offensive line issues as well that could have hurt him, but there was obviously something that the coaching staff didn't love about Edwards Hilaire because they went and got Le'Veon Bell and we were scratching our heads at the time about Le'Veon Bell. And it's, you know, it's come to pass in the playoff game that just happened. It was all Daryl Williams, very little of Le'Veon Bell. So I, I just, I think that he is more of a work in progress than we wanted to believe when he came out of LSU. Um, and I hope that what he does is shows the coaching staff this offseason, and hopefully it's a normal offseason, that he is a good passing downs guy. Because I loved his skill set as a pass catcher at LSU, and we just didn't see enough of that in his rookie season. So if he can build on that and be more than a 50-50 guy, be their lead back, maybe the third downs do end up going to Daryl Williams in 2021. I can live with that. Maybe he gets better at the goal line. You remember how that first game went for Edwards Hilaire where he just could not bunch it in. And maybe that's part of the offensive line too. It definitely is actually. There were plays where he had no shot because of the offensive line. I think he can be a very good fantasy running back. And you want to talk about a breakout candidate and a bounce back candidate all in one? It's Edwards Hilaire. I just think I'd feel better going with Akers at this point, knowing that Akers should be in that main role for the Rams where he's getting 18 plus touches per game. I don't think Edwards Hilaire is quite there yet for Kansas city. There's, there's two things that play for me. I, I would have taken all those other guys over in this format. I think Edwards Hilaire easily over Dobbins in full PPR, but uh, I think I would have gone with Dobbins. I would have gone with Akers. I would have gone with Swift and I would have gone with Gibson. I also would have taken Miles Sanders ahead of, uh, Edward Solaire as well, who went in round three. There's two things. One is Damian Williams back because I think that's something that you got to keep an eye on because clearly the Chiefs love him and and is he the missing link to what this offense is? And the second part of it, if Damian Williams isn't back, they're probably going to go with somebody else in that spot because Le'Veon Bell's gone. He's not coming back. And what's the other player that they bring in? So I want to see those two things happen. Uh, is If Williams is there, I'll be a little bit more concerned about Edwards Lair. If it's another rookie, if it's another aging veteran, I wouldn't be as concerned. But, you know, if Damian Williams does come back and he opted out this season, as we all remember, because of concerns over COVID-19, um, you know, Daryl Williams showed you what Damian Williams was doing last year. You know, not to the same explosiveness, but, you know, we didn't really see that a lot from Edwards Lair consistently throughout the season, especially after Le'Veon Bell came on the roster. So I just, I wonder if the Chiefs had a do-over. Would they take Edwards Hilaire with the first round pick 
in the NFL draft, knowing how things worked out for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Did they feel like they got a good return on investment? I hope so down the road, but you know, right. they, they can't say that for 2020, but it's more about down the road. Yeah. I'm sure and they're still very bullish on him. The, the other part of it is, is uh, no off season, you know, so let's give the kids some credit. You know, he was thrown into the mix. He wasn't expected to be the starter. They did expect to have Damian Williams when they drafted him. So uh, no off season to, to speak of. Let's see how he does with a full off season. Hopefully he'll be hundred percent healthy and we'll see if he's able to play in the AFC championship game as they take on the Buffalo bills. All right. So uh, you can see the, again, the full results of uh, the draft. We'll recap our teams in a second, but uh, you see the full results of the drafts on cbsports.com. Uh, Dave, one one pick you made I think was interesting and, and probably going to end up being a great value if it ends up going like this is Cortland Sutton in round seven. You took him over some other receivers, though, that that are probably going to be in the same uh, conversation for a lot of fantasy managers that they may debate. Hollywood Brown, the way he finished the season was fantastic. He could still be the number one wide receiver for the Ravens. Jerry Judy on Sutton's team. We know that they're going to try and increase what his production was after a disappointing rookie campaign. We saw how much he was targeted down the stretch, I think, as the Broncos trying to get him going. And then DJ Chark, as we talked about, I'm very excited about him. I'm sure you are as well. Uh, but we'll see how this whole offense comes together for the Jaguars once they get Trevor Lawrence and get the play caller in place for Urban Meyer. But is Sutton an easy choice for you over those guys or was it something you debated as well? For now, he's an easy choice over those guys. I'm I'm making the assumption that the Ravens do add to their receiving core, whether that helps. I, I think it ends up hurting Marquise Brown. I know that he's been, I, I know that he finished strong and I'm happy to see that because I think he's a talented receiver, but I'm not, I'm, it's a team that doesn't throw a lot and they're going to add another receiver to try and force defenses to not hone in on the run anymore. At least I'd be, I'd be, I'd be surprised if they didn't add another receiver. So I'm, I'm not sure that Marquise Brown will give you a good return on investment. I, obviously in round seven, he could, but like in round five, for example, uh, Jerry Judy, we know that he's got great potential, but I think Sutton is probably a little more well-rounded at this point. And to Sutton, he averaged over 13 PPR points per game in 2019. He finished as wide receiver 18 in 2019. I think that he can be, I, 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 whether they change their quarterback or not in Denver, I think he's still going to begin the season as their number one guy. Could Judy overtake him? Absolutely. And maybe we'll clip this and, and play it back in July. And I'll say, what? There's no way I said that. Cause I really like Jerry Judy too. But I do think that Sutton in round seven, at the very worst, he'll be the the very good number two receiver in Denver. And if they have a great quarterback, that offense is going to be amazing with Judy and Sutton, Noah Fan at tight end, the whole group. And I don't know if their run game is going to be that great, so they could end up throwing quite a bit. I'd like to have a piece of that. Sutton's a great value in round seven to have. Two situations where the sophomore wide receiver in 2021 can overtake the veteran guy. And I use veteran loosely because Cortland Sutton is entering his fourth season. But we talked about one on Monday's show with Dallas where C.D. Lamb could end up being the better fantasy wide receiver than Amari Cooper. And Judy can still end up being the better wide receiver than Cortland Sutton. It's true. It's clearly easier in Denver because of Sutton coming off a significant injury. C.D. Lamb has to prove he's better than Amari Cooper and command the targets. Judy, I think, is going to command the targets. He just has to prove that he's better than Cortland Sutton, and Sutton has to prove that he's healthy. All right, let's take a look at our teams real quick. Dave, I'll read your team. You just jump in if there's anything that stands out you want to talk about. But your quarterback okay. is Deshaun Watson. You talked about that with the value that you got on him. Derrick Henry, Clyde edwards Lair, your first two picks. Kenny Galladay, T. Higgins, and Cortland Sutton, your wide receivers. Irv Smith is your tight end. J.K. Dobbins is your flex. On your bench, you got Joe Burrow, Tariq Cohen, Joshua Kelly, Tony Pollard, A.J. Green and Mike Williams. Do you think A.J. Green still has something left to offer if he gets signed to a team that can use him as maybe a number two wide receiver in that respect? I think he was I think he was my last pick. 
So it was just like a, what the hell? I, I know he's still talented. Um, I, I think he could be a good bench receiver in fantasy. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to play. Um, for me, uh, my quarterback is Jalen Hurts. And again, we did this draft before Doug Peterson was fired. I don't know if I would have taken Jalen Hurts to be my starter, but I did take Taysom Hill as my second quarterback, going way off the board as uh, as fantasy quarterbacks here, not knowing if either guy will be a starter in 2021. But uh, that's why, again, we do these drafts. Now, my running backs are Austin Eckler and James Robinson. My receivers, again, three-receiver league. Uh, Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, and DJ Moore. I love that group of receivers. And getting, it's a good group. Uh, Keenan Allen in round four to me was just fantastic value. Uh, Hunter Henry is my tight end. Jeff Wilson is the flex. I took him in round six, like we talked about, over Raheem Mostert. My bench is A.J. Dillon. I love that pick as well because he could be the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers next year. But I also took Jamal Williams. So uh, I would not be surprised if Williams gets a hometown discount to stay in Green Bay. And that's the start. That's the running back duo for the Packers next year because Aaron Jones is probably going to command a little bit too much money. But I took D.J. Tark as a fourth receiver. Thrilled about that. Christian Kirk is a fifth wide receiver. I love this receiving core. And uh, second tight end I drafted was Blake Jarwin, which I will probably do quite a bit of because I don't know how excited people will be about Blake Jarwin, knowing that Dalton Schultz will still be there. But I still think Jarwin comes back as the lead tight end for the Cowboys and has a chance to be a top 12 guy like I thought he would be going into 2020. But unfortunately, suffered that torn ACL. Dave, you know what? What's up? You can listen to Fantasy Football Today on your smart speakers. Simply oh, say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. You know what I like to say? Hey, Alexa, make sure Dave Richard is safe and not being held hostage. Yes, Glad please. to see your smiling face once again. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for paying the ransom. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday for a little bit more in-depth look at the wide receiver position, also previewing the championship rounds it's going to be fun uh, hopefully patrick mahomes is healthy and we get uh allen mahomes rogers brady could be some fun games and some fun dfs plays as well for dave richard i'm jamie eisenberg thanks for listening to fantasy football today you gotta go back